If you play in tiebreak and it's uh, one point difference uh, and if you are calm, opponent wants to see uh, your frustration. But if you don't give it to the opponent, then the opponent is going down. And everybody is kind of feeding because it's a game and you want to win in the end of the day. Welcome back to Mindset Win, the podcast where we hear fascinating stories from incredible athletes and unlock their mental tactics so you can use them in your own life. I'm Cedric. And I'm York. I'm the head of mental performance at the Red Bull Athlete Performance Center, the APC. You might have heard our uncut episode with tennis champion Elena Rubaikina. And to be honest, I don't think we've heard from anyone quite like her here on Mindset Win. She went pro age 17. In 2022, she won Wimbledon. And last year, she beat the world number once four times. York, you've listened to her interview. What did you take away from it? What jumped out for me was how Elena uses body language to show the opponent that she's constantly in control during the match. She might not feel the same way inside, but at least to the opponent, she's, she's showing that she's very calm, very controlled and somewhat dominant in that situation then as well. That sounds really fascinating. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this, but first let's hear her interview. I'm Elena Rybakina and I'm a professional tennis player. When I started to play, It was a group of kids and it was always fun. We had some small competitions, then some tournaments later on I played. So I've been trying many sports when I was young, but I realized that uh, maybe individual st sport is better for me, for maybe my character, whatever it is. And uh, yeah, I just uh, love competing. I think it's a game uh, like chess, but uh, active chess. You hit the ball, you need to know what your opponent is going to do. I think it's very interesting uh, sport. It's not easy technical sport, but overall it's really like a chess, but on the court. At the age of 17, 18, uh, I had to choose if I want to be professional or just go to the college. Uh, it was a big discussion with the family, of course, but I said that I would like to try. And uh, I was uh, 17, finishing the school. I finished to play juniors events a little bit later than everybody else. We made this decision based on my results, my passion to the sport. Uh, in the end of the day, I'm really happy uh, with that decision, of course. I always knew that I have a shots and uh, I had a belief that I can be good, but I knew that it's a lot of work. It's not easy and not everyone can make it. So I was happy to start working with a good coach and then we built the team. Slowly, I think with all the big wins here and there, you're just getting more confident and um, believe in yourself more. I think it was a big change uh, when I played uh, 1WT event from Qualis. I think it was St. Petersburg 2018, I would say. I made it to the third round or something and I beat uh, one of the top players. I think I got the wild card also there, so it was no chance for me, I think, to get in just by myself. And it was Caroline Garcia at that time. It was pretty tough match and even though if I will lose that match, I kind of felt that I have a shot. So now the question is about the consistency. 
I won that match. It was pretty tough one. No one uh, thought that I can be good, so I went there just to try, you know. And also, um, by the all the expectations which were not there, it turned out as a very good tournament for me and gave me a lot of confidence afterwards. Of course, uh, I was nervous. That's for sure, like every match, but because it was really up and down much, it was three sets. I think that I enjoyed most of the time and I was not thinking if I win it or not since it was so close. It was for me already like really wow that I can compete uh, at this level and uh, I was just enjoying, I would say, the moment. I'm trying to, no matter of the situation, to, to be calm and uh, try to not show if I'm upset or I'm angry. I'm trying to not show the emotions. So I think this is something worked especially well in the beginning when no one knows you and you're coming calm on the court and then you're playing really well. And uh, I think it was working really good in the beginning. I think now it also helps me and also maybe confusing sometimes opponent. Honestly, I have no idea where my uh, no emotional face came, <laughs> but I think it was just from the young age, even when I was a kid playing some tournaments. Maybe it's my kind of reaction to the stress. And I'm actually a shy person. And I think altogether, just from the young age, uh, I'm like this naturally. The mood was not the greatest coming to play at Wimbledon. I was not playing the previous tournaments really well and I was not feeling well. So it was special year also, I have to say that it was no ranking points and I had to take even some break before Wimbledon. I said that I'm really, really tired and mentally I cannot just go to another tournament. We decided, okay, I'm gonna take some off. I went uh, on vacation completely for seven days. I came back to England. I played one tournament before Wimbledon again, like one match. I lost it and I felt the ball good, but for some reason I lost the match, which maybe I should have win. The mood was just to come uh, at Wimbledon, try to do my best, but it was not in the head like I'm gonna win it. This is the reality, because usually no matter tournament I come, it's always, yes, I want to win a title, but that was not the case with me that year. And then slowly, slowly, I was uh, playing one match, second match, zero expectations. I wanted the season to be done on the grass and just try to prepare for the hardcore season. I was lucky that maybe for the second time my sister joined me. We spent really nice time uh, in London, so it was relaxed atmosphere, especially first week of a slam. And then when we got to the second week, it was already, wow, if, I, if I'm here, then we need to kind of push more since I'm doing well. It was a final and of course I was very nervous in the beginning of the match and it's like first final, very emotional, even if I was trying to be with a very straight face and uh, inside it was really a lot going on and I remember that the first set was really bad for me. The serve was not wo working, it was pure emotions. Maybe the decisions were uh, 
they were wrong and uh, I remember that I lost the first set I went to take the toilet break just to uh, breathe a little bit and I was telling myself that it's just a match and I believe that I, I'm gonna play another finals uh, so I just need to do what I usually do and uh, forget about what's happening around and I was kind of convincing myself that no matter if I win or lose, I already did a great job and uh, just try to enjoy. Of course, it was not easy to enjoy uh, since it was really uh, emotional, but this is how I convinced myself. You're just trying to think, okay, if I, I, I did this mistake for the first time, it's first experience playing final of Grand Slam. It's pity to lose the points, lose the game sets just because of the emotions. I went and I played much better second set and I was trying to focus on every point. After winning one point, one game set, it was much easier. After winning a title, you're like, wow, I hope it was not just by mistake or by luck or whatever it is. It was a special conditions. It was a really special mood coming at Wimbledon. It was not easy to overcome this win because also after you straight away have to play tournaments and it was first experience, so you don't know what to expect after such a big title. I didn't feel that I'm a top player, so it was kind of frustrated at some point because it's a lot of expectations from you and uh, a lot of uh, people looking at you, waiting that what you're gonna do next on your next tournament. But at the same time, you are not treated as a top player because you didn't get the points. After I played final of Australian Open, these doubts straight away disappeared. I'm not even thinking about it anymore. I'm just hungry for for more. <laughs> we speak a lot with my coach that maybe being calm, it's not always a good on the court. Sometimes you need to show the emotions, especially. I would say if I'm not playing well and maybe something is not going how I want it to be, shots are not working or the surf, whatever it can be, that I need to show the opening that I'm still there and I'm still fighting. And that there is moments in the match where you need to really kind of squeeze your opponent. This is something that we are trying to work on and uh, this is something I need to, uh, let's say, improve. Uh, maybe other players are too angry on the court or showing too many emotions and they need to work to be more calm. So for me, it's uh, kind of opposite, which is, uh, I think, a bit rare. <laughs> Tennis is such a quick sport and uh, I think quicker you go from the mood of being frustrated or sad, whatever it is, quicker you go back to, to actually fixing the problem then it's good for your tennis and then you keep on finally playing well. Wow, another fascinating athlete. York, you mentioned Elena's body language. What did you mean by that? You often hear how communication is not just verbal, but also, you know, there's a lot of work out there, a lot of research on how body language has a huge impact on how the other person perceives us. And Elena uses this really to show the opponent that she is very calm, very dominant, very in control of the situation, when inside she might be feeling something very different. So I, I find that really interesting, how to really use body language as a technique to get a competitive advantage. So why is it an advantage for Elena not to show her emotions? 
In this case, if the opponent has just scored an important point and she shows a lot of frustrations by that, it might help the opponent to feel, now I've got her. <laughs> but yeah. if she manages to stay calm, that can actually unsettle the opponent to think, why, why is she not uh, showing any emotions here? So you don't want your opponent to read your thoughts? On the one hand, if I'm feeling a lot of anger, frustration, whatever it is inside, there is a moment to let that emotion out. And that might sometimes mean that on the tennis court, I'm, I'm screaming, I'm letting out that anger. But then again, that moment shouldn't have to last for too long. There can be that, that short moment, but afterwards, then immediately I'm picking myself up again and I can actually use the body language to communicate to myself. That point is done. Now, head up high, shoulders back. I'm confident again and I'm going to win the next point. Yeah, I think every one of us will have a different way of dealing with a situation. And some people will vent their emotions and some people will keep them inside. Yeah, even if you are someone who has to vent the emotion, you can let it out briefly, but then try and regain the positive body posture afterwards. Okay, but we're not all tennis champions. So how can we apply this to our daily lives? Can you give us some like examples? Yeah, you're right. You can use body language to regain control of the situation. Maybe previously you've let out some anger, you've let out some frustration, but then to gain back control, you can use body language to communicate to other people, but also more importantly to communicate to yourself okay, I'm positive again, I've regained my posture, I've regained the control of the situation. So whether this is at work or even in social situations, the whole time we're communicating with our body as well as with our words. I think we should be really aware of how we communicate to other people through our body language, but also how we communicate to ourselves with our body language. Okay, so the first step is awareness. But can you give us like an example of a positive, strong, powerful body language? As with many things, the context is important, the situation in which we're in. But if, for example, a very confident body stance is necessary in a certain situation, then this is something that we can practice. There are studies that show that even just two minutes of practicing a very confident body stance, even those two minutes a day will affect our general self-confidence over time. A very positive stance would be to stand with our feet apart, but feet parallel to each other, not one foot behind the other or anything like this. Um, shoulders nice and relaxed, nice and broad, the head up, and this is a, a very powerful stance. Just by practicing this every day, it, it will affect how we feel overall. And for example, what kind of posture would send a negative message to people and to yourself? So imagine you're interviewing me for a job and you ask me the question, do you think you have the skills to be successful in this job? And I looked at the floor and kind of dropped my head and dropped my shoulders and said, um, yes, I think so you probably wouldn't give me the job, right? No, no, because it, it's, it's sending me a negative yeah. message. But then again, like I said, it always depends on the context. So if one of my friends is upset and I stand in front of them 
very straightforward shoulders nice and high and I'm not really showing much sympathy if I'm standing with a very strong confident body posture so in that case it's maybe more going parallel I'm kind of leaning in a little bit I'm standing next to them I'm, I'm showing them I'm with you rather than I'm against you. That's super interesting. And I think we can all relate to this. We all have had situations when your body language is really important. Can you give us one simple exercise on how to be more aware and improve our posture in any type of situation? Yeah. So I would try and get a recording of myself, especially in a certain situation, if possible. So... If I can get someone to film me while I'm presenting, for me to then have a look at my own body language afterwards and really try to analyze what kind of message was I sending to people with my body language. That would be really effective if, if I can get a video recording. Other than that, just two minutes a day, possibly standing in front of a mirror, if that doesn't make you feel too uncomfortable, and just practicing a very confident body posture. Because the more we practice that, the easier it will be for us to just give ourselves a little mental reminder. Oh, think positive, stand positive, and then we can get into that position a lot easier. Okay, a confident body posture. What's the most confident body posture you can have? The most confident one would definitely be to open up our body. So this means the arms should not be crossed, but we're standing with the shoulders nice and broad, the head up high. So I'm, I'm really showing you I'm, I'm not afraid here. I'm not, I'm not trying to comfort myself, but I'm, I'm happy to open up towards you. Well, thanks a lot. That's very tangible. It's something every one of us, we can try at home. That's it for today. Thank you to our amazing guest, Elena Rybakina, my co-host and wise man, York. And don't forget, we'd love to know how all of these episodes are making a real difference to you, how you are applying this to your daily life. And if you have better performance, more life satisfaction, so email us at podcast at redbull.com or leave a note in the comment box on Spotify. Until next time. <laughs>